Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. Brett, you are wearing a shirt. Do you feel super encumbered? How does it feel to be back dressed like a normal human being again? Uh, I'm just glad that the internet doesn't have to see me and Harry wearing bras anymore. So I'm sure a couple of people are in therapy with that one. Well, and you, I mean, and you, you are probably in therapy for that. Yeah, why are you worried about other people? I'm the one who had to endure the entire thing. And thank goodness the internet is just temporary. Nothing on there ever lasts forever. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to worry about that haunting you for the rest of your life or me for that uh, for that reason. Yeah, well, you know what, man? You can take that up with HR because I think you are HR. So I guess you'll just be talking to yourself about how the other I spent a lot of time talking to myself in the last week. I could have used some HR and some therapy and a lot of other things in order to get over uh, last week. Somehow I am the one who suffered the most. You look to be slightly uncomfortable, slightly enjoying how uncomfortable I was is the way I would judge your mixture of... uh, of facial expressions. Well, I mean, I even told Sal when he picked it out of the hat, I was like, wow, that one actually is probably worse for literally everybody else and not me. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he should have thought of that when he put it in the cap of consequences, but Hey, it's over with, it's done with. And now nobody's going to be distracted by my hairy chest. We can talk straight about soccer. Hey, and look, you seem to have learned your lesson. You came out and you finally picked some winners last week. So maybe you need to go in the cap of consequences more often. I will not tell you what is going on underneath the shirt. I'm just going to tell you that there might have been some good luck. And, you know, you just don't want to change things. So I turned around two straight weeks and no wins. Uh, oh, my gosh. Please don't go Brady Chastain on us again. We're just going to keep that quiet. We'll see. We'll let the audience guess. All right. Well, let us get into this week's action. I mean, this last week was was full of narrative and full of twists and turns. Uh, the only thing that really didn't twist and turn is Manchester United and Liverpool are still leagues better than everybody else. This is a topic I want to dive into in a few minutes. But let's start off uh, where the whole league is going to kick off this week, which is Saturday morning, 730 a.m., the noontime game in England, the breakfast game for us, which is Arsenal versus Manchester United. Arsenal is fifth at 57 points. Manchester United is sixth at 54 points. Arsenal is plus 110. Man United is plus 255. The draw is plus 250. Arsenal minus half a goal stays at plus uh, 110. And Man United to get any points whatsoever, which would be a nice change of pace for them, is minus 125. So, look. I'm still fading Manchester United. I mean, after watching them play against Liverpool the other day, at one point you can't hold it too much against them as Liverpool is a true juggernaut. But on the other uh, hand, like how can you possibly watch Manchester United and take them against a top six team right now and feel good about it? I mean, they would have to move the odds way higher than this for them to get my money. They played three good games in all of 2022. One was uh, 1-0 against West Ham in January. One was 2-0 against Brighton in February. One was 3-2 against Spurs in March. So maybe we're due. Maybe we're due for their April uh, time frame when they show up. But they look outright horrible. They're completely dependent on Ronaldo right now, who has scored six of their last seven goals. And he certainly can't be blamed for not being fully focused right now if he even plays. So Arsenal might have been flattered a bit by, um, by the scoreline versus Chelsea midweek. The penalty was complete BS. I won't hear any arguments otherwise. They were gifted (laughs) several other goals. Uh, But they still have all the motivation in the world to play for. And Manchester United play as if they have no motivation whatsoever and just want to get to Ibiza or wherever else they're going to spend their holidays. So (laughs) I have to take Arsenal at plus 110, no matter what I think of them versus what I think currently of Manchester United. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the other thing, too, is now they have their fans calling it bomb threats to Harry Maguire, which, like, what the fuck? we're doing here this is, that's ridiculous you can dislike yeah, the, the proper way to deal with harry Maguire isn't to call him bomb threats it's to call him a bum over and over again on a gambling podcast by two yanks in america as i have proven for months and months now exactly Come on, to- guys toby is laid out the mic. blueprint yeah people in manchester toby has laid out the blueprint for how to insult the player and well I mean, Deli Alley really is the true blueprint. Like Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire gets like a little bit of like, he gets like the ricochet flack. Like Deli is like the guy that you lay out the blueprint for how to just absolutely destroy him verbally. Um, yeah, no, Deli Alley picks up the ball in midfield and goes one-on-one versus Harry Maguire. Uh, who kicks the ball out of bounds first? <laughs> I thought you were going to say who loses and I was going to say all of us, but um, yeah, I mean, I would have to say that uh, anytime Harry Maguire is in space, is not a good thing. Um, and I mean, and really like that, that's kind of been the crux of like the matter with like United, right. It's like these huge breakdowns lately have just come more and more. I, I think you're hundred percent right. I think this is a splintering team right now. I think this is a team that realizes it is, a distant third in probably the race for uh, for fourth, even though the, the point totals may suggest otherwise. Um, Arsenal has been, uh, usually Arsenal goes the other direction. They get a little bit of lucky. They play like crap and then they fluke out some wins. And then in this stretch, just before the Chelsea match, which was a just bizarre match in general, um, you know, they lost four out of five, but really out of those five matches, they probably only got roundly outplayed, at least outcreated chance-wise twice and one of the two teams was Liverpool. So they, they've still been playing well. They just have been getting unlucky. Um, and honestly, I saw them roll out that chart starting 11 against Chelsea. And I was like, dude, there's no way they're like, they're going to lose. It's going to be like a pretty ugly two, two nil loss. Oh. Like, like, and then Malang Sauer entered the chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but like Tierney was out and Thomas party was out and they, they started uh Nikedia. And it was just like, oh yeah, like Rob Holding, I think, was playing right back or Ben White. Um, so I mean, it was a it was a total like B team lineup for for Arsenal for the most part. And then they actually did outcreate Chelsea. Like it, it was a weird match for a lot of reasons. The penalty, um, Chelsea scored two goals. I think on barely like one xg. Um, you know, Arsenal obviously finished way over um, in terms of four on two and a half. So I mean, again. Super weird match, probably not indicative of it, but their larger body of work, despite this poor run of form, has just been soccer's random. The ball takes weird bounces. I think Arsenal are good. I think United are splintering. So it is, I I could not even, even, and you know me, Toby, you know me. I find ways to take bad bets. Like I, I will talk myself into the winding road that leads to Middlesbrough and center mm-hmm. back scoring. Mm-hmm. I know cannot at the I end of that road a is a at the end of the road is a uh, training brawl waiting for you to wear it. Exactly. That's and I've learned my lesson. I am not trying to find a way to go contrarian and go with United. I'm taking the same bet with the spread. Um, but the one thing I, I think is that I don't think that United is going to I don't think this is going to be that drab of a game. Um, so Arsenal with to win with both teams to score which I, I'm not really trusting the Arsenal defense that much lately, even though United attack has been pretty pathetic. Um, I do feel like this, the ranges of wins have one goal with United in a lot of them. Um, so plus 275 for Arsenal to win and both teams to score seems like the best prop bet that I saw. Um, 
just because it's hard to do anytime goal scores this crew. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with like the range of scoring outcomes. And I, I think that's probably the best one. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that prop bet. Um, I was jealous when you floated it by me earlier, so I'm actually going <laughs> to co-sign that one. Um, and I, I see the game very similar. I'm just not getting as good of odds at you, particularly if Ronaldo comes back and has plays a very emotional game and they can rally behind that a little bit. Um, then I would definitely take him to as an anytime goal scorer at plus 170. I think they're going to feed the heck out of him. And uh, for narrative reasons, I mean, the ball often finds the back of the net off the foot of somebody this thick in a storyline. So I guess that's not scientific, but uh, somehow my gut still says to back it. Uh, so I can see him definitely getting on the scoreboard. If he doesn't play, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little less inclined to see where a goal from United is going to come from, but maybe somebody will surprise us. Uh, as they often do. The one I'm more confident in in the the leg that you just laid out there, both teams scoring and Arsenal still winning, is Arsenal scoring at least two goals. So Arsenal over 1.5 goals is plus 100. I'm taking that as my prop. And it has everything to do with uh, Mr. Harry Maguire. We've already started <laughs> to bag on a little bit. I mean, like, what the hell? Like, how can you watch his performance against Liverpool? It doesn't matter if he's in a back two. It doesn't matter if he's in a back three. He can be in a back 12. Like, they can put extra dudes on the field, and I still wouldn't trust his ability to organize them. Like, the fact that your worst defender is also your captain is is almost, uh, like, it's it's egregious. Like, it's almost worse than the Glazers owning the team. If the guy can't organize himself, how is he going to organize everybody else? So yeah. until they uh, I was going to say, I just don't have any sympathy for United fans I mean, for multiple reasons. But like the big thing is, I, I, I do not understand how you can watch Paul Pogba play, especially because he's actually been really good for this year and somehow be angry. I need that explained yeah. to me. So like United fans, if, if Harry Maguire is like your curse for the shit that you throw at Paul Pogba's way, then you deserve 20 Harry Maguire's. Like you're in and you're out because I just don't understand how that, that dude gets so much file from United fans. When I, I love watching Pogba play. I, he does shit on a soccer pitch that I'm just like, he like some outside of the foot 60 yard pass that lands right on a guy's boot. And it somehow he comes off the pitch and he just gets ridiculed by the fan base. I, I just cannot comprehend this i don't know toby you need to help me with this i need that I I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll help you for a second and god forbid i defend a united fan i mean i think it's actually the uh the problem is exactly what you're describing like you see him hit a ball with the outside of his boot 60 yards you know right on somebody's leg and and uh, have them set up for a perfect opportunity and you see that doing once and you're like holy hell this guy might be the best player in the world but you only see him do it once like the fact that he doesn't live up to that potential all the time in a Manchester United kit, he lives up to it more frequently in a France kit, makes you want to pull your hair out to say, why aren't we getting more of the best of this guy all the time? And like, it's, I guess, easier in some ways to blame the player than to blame the entire organization, the coaching, the ownership, the scouting, the structure, like every single thing around him. Uh, is more complicated organism to balance and lay precise blame on than just saying, oh, he's sulking and not giving us his best effort, so let's boo him when he leaves the pitch. Yeah, well, I look forward for him going back to Madrid next year and hopefully being awesome again. So, you know, I did yeah, I, I try to enjoy I him. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, but, I, I completely agree. I am greatly looking forward to watching Paul Pogba play somebody else next year. And Manchester United, after squandering, you know, what is it, five years? Since he came back from uh, from Italy, God, has it been that long? 
Well, he's out of contract, so it has to be four or five, yeah. right? Because he must have signed an extension when he came back. Oh, um, my God. Jesus, dude. Yeah, squandering <laughs> his entire prime the way they have. Like, I don't have sympathy for him, and I'm excited to see him get back out and show what he's, the class that he really has. And meanwhile, I look forward to Harry Maguire at some point in the near future being able to stay within like two to three feet of a guy because he seems to be right now either 15 feet away, marking nobody in empty space or hacking somebody in the back of the leg and being, you know, let, like negative a foot because he's has his foot deep in their thigh. If he could just like master the art of being close to someone, maybe he needs to go to a therapist. Maybe he needs to open up, be a little more vulnerable, not afraid <laughs> to get close. Then he might actually be able to defend somebody and keep Arsenal from having less than two goals. I don't see it being this week, so I'm cashing the plus hundred. You're going to hear about it later again in the five pint. Yeah, well, the one, uh, the one thing I will say, Toby, is that you will probably enjoy even more when Harry Maguire winds up at on loan at Everton next year. So <laughs> that, that's going to be like your early birthday present because you know it's coming. I mean, Deli Alley ended up going to Everton. So Harry Maguire is absolutely well, going to follow through that door. You just know that yeah, that's going to happen. It makes sense. He's championship quality. Uh, so... <laughs> Manchester City is our next match. First, 77 points versus Watford, 19th at 22 uh, 22 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Manchester City is minus 900. Watford is plus 2,200. The draw is plus 900. Manchester City on a heavily adjusted spread of minus 2.5 is down to minus 105, and Watford is minus 110. So if you're willing to take uh, Manchester City to win by three or more, then you finally get a coin flip versus lowly Watford. I don't think there's much to talk about about the outcome of this game, but nope. just because we're on a podcast and uh, got to give the people what they want, let's just have a very brief conversation about just how freaking far ahead the top two teams are from the rest of the league. I mean, it was laid completely bare this past week. Not only with Liverpool dismantling Manchester United 4-0, as we've already discussed, but Spurs go out since our last podcast. They lose to Brighton 1-0, and then Manchester City comes out a few days later completely blows Brighton off of the pitch. Um, And Spurs are arguably the third best team on current form. Brighton had a header off a corner, and otherwise they did not sniff the goal against City. I mean, it was an absolute rout. Meanwhile, City, they're still pressing and scoring 82 minutes in. They're just absolutely relentless. So, like, you and I have talked about this briefly. Like, Manchester United is closer to Norwich than they are to Liverpool or City. So six is closer to 20 than they are to one to two. And then my only question is like, how far does that gap extend? Or is one and two now so far clear of like Spurs and, and Chelsea and Arsenal to make this almost laughable? And the way I started framing it in my mind, and I'd love for you to, to weigh in um, on current form, just current form right now from watching the league. Is there any player in the Premier League who could break into the 11 of either side of City or Liverpool? I can only think of one for sure, and then we're having arguments after that. Oh, who's your one? The entire rest of the league. Harry Kane would would start for City on current form. Right. The way he's distributing, the way he's distributing from midfield, he'd fit right into the pet system. He'd give him more of a clinical up front. He'd fit in next to Foden. Uh, they could rotate, uh, you know, on the other side of him. Like I think Kane would slot into the eleven at City. And that's it for ones that I'm sure of. Yeah, I mean, part of me says Reese James would be really interesting at City, but I mean, they can't do it because if you 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 could go super attacking with like 
Cancelo and Reese James, but like Kyle Walker plays a very specific role for them yeah. at the right back spot. And he sort of like allows Cancelo to be Cancelo. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. That's the other thing. Cause you have to, you have to view the system, right? Like both yeah. sides are playing a four, three, three heavily pressing. So like some of the other, you know, best players in the league. And obviously I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but like Rudiger's had a tremendous season, but he plays in a back three when he played in a back two, he wasn't anywhere nearly as effective. Reese James is still coming back from injury. So maybe he could split into the Kyle Walker spot, but I agree with you. Kyle Walker plays such a specific function that I don't think James would be an absolute 11. He's definitely not taking consolidated spot. I actually have one for you right here. I think at this point in their career, and as much as, as Hendo means for Liverpool, like this is the uh, Liverpool fans, if they're actually listening to this, they're going to be very angry at this. But I think Kova is actually better than Henderson right now. So if you're looking at Liverpool's yeah. starting three midfield with Diago Fabinho, I think Kovacic would be an upgrade over Hendo. Yeah, I, in that, I, I in that free A role. I, I could see Kova, or I could even see Mount fitting in there if they really want to double down on the press, right? Like yeah. Mount's got the younger legs than, than Hendo, and they can continue the I mean, that, that is, that is kind of the really thing, though. It's like when Thiago and Fabinho are in the midfield, like you could probably pick any midfielder that like just and allow him to get forward, and they look amazing um yeah so yeah i mean like harry winks might look awesome next to Fabinho and Thiago. so i mean yeah i don't know that that's an int- it's an interesting way to think about it for sure that one yeah. guy and, and this in the premier league is the richest league in the world this isn't like you're going to the area division and you're like who would play for ix you know from the lower table where they have a huge financial advantage over the rest of the league like this is the this is the this is the super league like we, the super yes. league tried to happen, but this really is a super league right now. And a lot of it is, is mostly stemming from, and this is getting away from gambling for a little bit, but just the fact that city and Liverpool have been excellent in their recruitment. Chelsea kind of was able to hang because they had an ownership structure and a, that loan thing that just allowed them to spend a ton of money. But even Chelsea's money was mostly kind of shot out of a fire hose. There wasn't ever a true, uh, a true like kind of plan behind it. And the year that they actually had transfer ban, a bunch of their young guys got minutes and then they, that really helped them develop. Um, so, I mean, like, I think a lot of it just comes out of that. Like it's been really poor recruitment in the, the teams that should be trying to catch them. United is a dumpster fire arsenal. <laughs> they were the team that basically had to give away Aubameyang after they put him on like $300,000 a week wages, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, Spurs, Spurs have pretty much missed on everybody except Kulishevsky, um, as far as their other recruitment so far. I mean, they, I mean, Emerson really hasn't done anything. Reggion's been like, okay. Um, you know, but I mean, for the most part, like their attackers have kind of faded. Los, Los Elso's out on loan now. Um, I'm thinking of the other Spurs attacker that's also out on loan um yeah it's 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 just kind of comes down to the fact that like liverpool and city have been incredible in their recruitment they have a bunch of guys that that could be considered some of the best players maybe in premier league history in de bruyne and mo Salah, you know at their peak of their power surrounded by other guys you know like thiago being healthy has taken liverpool to a whole new level and everybody else has kind of swung and missed for the most part and i think that's why yeah, we're seeing I- right now yeah, and, you know, if we were having this conversation in August, like, yeah, Conte would slot into either side because he was looking like the best midfielder in the world, but I'm talking current form. And 
Maybe yeah. Kai Havertz gets there in a couple of years. I mean, Son would be a rotational on both sides, but like playing this 4-3-3, uh, high press and, you know, kind of the style of football, you know, Pep style and, um, and Klopp style, they basically have the perfect team for each coach playing at the height of their powers at the same time. And so like the rest of the league is so wildly far behind that it is incredible that we even had a six minute discussion. Could literally anybody else in the league play for them? That's just, it's just, it's mind boggling. I think that's the point we've reached in April of 2022. Yeah. And I mean, Uh, and really like if you go globally too, those two teams are pretty far ahead of like the third best team in the world, probably Bayern Munich. So, I mean, I don't think anybody, I think after watching Byron, like kind of flame out of the champions league, you wouldn't even say that they're, they're a tier below those two teams. Uh, it's, it's yeah. quite wild, but it's going to make for an awesome, uh, like you were talking about the goals that they're running up against Brighton. That's because this shit might come down to goal differential. So I'm going to love this. And part of my bet for this match is that city is just going to absolutely truck Watford. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's a huge I mean, deal. I- yeah, I mean, can either of us look at this and say anything besides like we take the two and a half? Like, yeah, there's no the, way I'm laying Watford uh, money on Watford to keep it close. No, my I, I cashed my one Watford pick. That was it. That's I'm done. I retired. I retired Watford bets after that one. Um. All right. So just in the interest of keeping it moving, my prop real quick, just because if we both think they're going to score at least three goals and maybe more, then I've got to take KDB as an anytime assist assist at plus one hundred. I don't, I mean, I, I didn't go back and do the research, but just watching them week after week and how imperious he is right now and his distribution from all parts of the pitch. I mean, he's just as likely to pick up an assist from midfield as he is with like a deaf flick at the top of the box into somebody cutting in behind him. So if they're going to get three or four, I love getting plus money for him to get an assist on one of them. So that's my prop for this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I my big thing is just the I think they're going to run up the score. I think this is going to be kind of one of those classic early pep era games where it's like six nil, seven nil type of stuff. So the over of three and a half goals for City alone at plus one forty five, I, I just I easily easily see them getting the three. <laughs> and so four is right there. It's probably just going to be how well they finish on the day. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, if you see the game, like uh, my friend Brett here, you think there's going to be six or seven, just take every over you can find, take first half over, take second half over, take games over, take individual props over, like check the hour beforehand, whoever's in the 11, whoever's going to be positioned ahead of midfield, just take all their props. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to profit. So here, here's part of the thing is that right now, Liverpool Lee with, if they, if they end up tied on points, Liverpool are plus six in goal differential. Pep knows this. They are going to absolutely run up the score on teams like Watford coming down the stretch run because that's how close this title racing. It, it very well might come down to goal difference. And I really think that we're going to start seeing City put their foot on the gas. I think this is going to, the slow-mo ball might take a little bit of a backseat to just the old school, like just let it rip and try to score seven. Oh my gosh. I'm now, you now have me way more excited about this match. We better take a real <laughs> quick break to hose me down. We'll be right back. <laughs> Ooh, okay. We are back and I am all tingly after that quick cold shower. I have to take not getting <laughs> way overheated about the seventh spot. We're going to see city lay on uh, Watford this weekend. 
Let's move where I don't think there's going to be a seven spot, but who knows, as wild as swings as these two teams play. We're going to go to Brentford, who is 12th at 39 points, versus Tottenham, 4th at 57 points. This game is Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Tottenham is minus 110. Brentford is plus 310. The draw is plus 265. Spurs at minus half a goal, stay at minus 110. And Brentford is minus 105. A good old-fashioned coin flip means Spurs taking all three points. Uh, so Brentford, I know you have some thoughts on Brentford, and I'm going to pitch over to you in just a second, but just to get my pick out of the way, they won five of the last six and crushed Chelsea recently. Um, I think that's had the effect of lowering these odds nicely, as this probably would have been minus 200 for Tottenham not that long ago. I still think Spurs are good. I'm willing to overlook the, overlook the uh, blip against Brighton. I thought they had the better of the chances in that game. A couple of bounces just didn't go their way, and then some you know, individual quality came through in the 90th minute to make them lose 1-0. And I'm, I know this isn't scientific, but I just don't believe – actually, I'm not willing to put my money behind them having two slip-ups in a row. It's entirely possible. We've seen Spurs do it. We've seen Spurs do it late in seasons before. You know, Conte wasn't their manager at that point, so I have a little more faith in him. And if I just have to put my money one way or the other, I don't think that they're going to have two slip-ups – uh, on back-to-back weekends. And so if I'm getting a coin flip, I'm backing them at minus 110. Yeah, uh, they're just a super hard team to read right now. Um, I mean, they had a run where they absolutely smashed three teams in a row, and then they have basically won on luck, and then they had the terrible match against Brighton. So I don't know what to make of this team, um, but I will throw this one out here for you. With Christian Erickson on the pitch, Brentford's uh, expected goal difference is 0.48 per 90. That's that would be good for fifth best in the premier league right behind Spurs and they're at home. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that we forget about with a club, club like Brentford is two things. One, a guy like Christian Erickson moves up, plays for a top six club, probably just a rotational player, but he is like all the difference in the world for a club like Brentford, right? Because he is, he is the thing that they they would typically struggle to find on the transfer market. Super creative player in the final third, can create a ton of chances. Those guys cost clubs like Brent. Well, first off, most most times those guys don't want to go to a club like Brentford. Yeah, and if exactly. they do, it's 60 or 70 million pounds in the trans, transfer market to get them there. Um, and then the other thing with Brentford that, and this was like a good lesson and a reminder for me, is when you think of, Embuemo and Tony and Ivan Tony, the two strikers for Brentford, like nobody gets excited about those two. Tony in particular, like lit up the championship last year. There was kind of some hope that he, he would actually be like 14, 15 goal guy. He hasn't really produced like that. Most of his goals have come from penalties, which are random anyways. Um, but those guys had missed a bunch of time, like sometimes together. And then also just like kind of missing each other for games. And like, when you think of them in totality, yeah, they're like not that great of players, but for a club like Brentford, there's still a massive drop-off between Ivan Tony and anybody else that comes onto the pitch after. Right. And I, you kind of forget that with a club like Brentford, it's like, this isn't like city going from Mares to Raheem Sterling. Right. There is a huge, massive drop-off when they lose even a mediocre starter because the next guy is probably like championship level caliber or worse. And I think with those guys healthy, you just, you forget that these become different clubs. Like when the, when the small clubs who have maybe 11 or 12 guys that are good enough to make a difference 
and be positive Premier League players. When you lose two of those guys at a time, that's a big deal. So not only do they have those two guys back, but then they have Christian Eriksen in the fold right now. They switch formations. Like, I, it's really, this is more of like a gut pick, which is weird for me to do. And my gut has been terrible lately. Um, but I, Brentford at plus 310 with the fact that Spurs seemingly every other game almost seem to shit the bed under Conte or they go through these runs where they're greater than they're, then they look awful. Um, and again, remember, like against Aston Villa, they, they trounced them, but that match was extremely close when it came to the chances that they created. It was basically Sun is one of the best finishers in the world, and he finished a bunch of really like hard chances. Um, so I'm going to take Brentford at plus three ten. I just the, there's something about the way this team plays with Erickson. It, it's a there's a huge boost to just getting capable Premier League level players, even if they're not that great back and then you're starting starting eleven. And it's at home, and I think one out of every three times Spurs probably come out and they're flat and they look terrible anyways. So. I think there's a yeah. lot going for you getting plus three ten for uh, Brentford to win outright. Yeah, and I'm I'm usually more uh, aligned with the argument that you're making about these mid table clubs and and getting healthy and things like that, particularly late in the season, um, because like at this point, you know, top six teams that have Europe obligations and have made deep cup runs, they might have played 50, 55 games, and a team like Brentford or anybody else who doesn't have those obligations is going to be somewhere in the mid thirties. So while, you know, the, the top clubs definitely have more depth because they have more money, they can afford it. They also have it out of necessity to fulfill all the obligations they have. And a team like Brentford, as long as they're healthy, can roll out the same and best 11 every single week. Yeah, um, I guess like a lot of times I would I would definitely roll with that. And we talk about you know that a little bit the opposite way during Fisher conjection during the holiday seasons. But Spurs didn't have a midweek obligation this week. So they've had, you know, a little bit of time on the training pitch. They had a little bit of time to get some rest. They didn't have to go through rotation midweek. And I think that of all the times to catch them, um, uh, this is not the ideal time for Brentford to utilize some of the advantages that we're discussing. So I agree. I mean, like I've talked on this podcast in the past about my you know, Spurs zigzag. Like they look good. They look bad. They look good. They look bad. And so – uh, you are absolutely right about that. And, and plus 330 is certainly a good number that you're just going to catch a bad day. Like, will it happen more often than one out of every three times? So you get good EV on that. So I can, I can get behind that. I just think they're going to respond this late in the season with so much on the line versus uh, a Brentford team that might be hot lately with Erickson, but still doesn't have the same depth of quality all over the pitch that Tottenham has. Yeah, and th- this definitely is a bet where you could take it and I could look terrible when Spurs win 4-0. But in that vein, my prop for this one is actually no to both teams to score at plus 110 because I do feel like if Brentford wins, there's a goal range between 0 and 1 for Spurs. And if Spurs come out and they're like Newcastle good against Brentford, Brentford is probably not scoring. So I, I think that's like a almost like a hedge bet if you're going to – take Brentford to win put money on Brentford to win. You could also probably bet that to a smaller amount. And then you'd probably be sort of hedging the outcome of the game. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, we don't even see the game that dissimilarly. Like we're talking about range of outcomes of which one, you know, has some likelihood behind it and then backing odds into the likelihood. And I think if Tottenham is to win, uh, I think they're going to jump on them in the first half has usually been the way they uh, act in games in which they are good and they go on to win. They get out early. So my prop is Spurs the first half money line at plus 150. 
I actually like this even a little bit more than the minus 110 because I think the outline, the outcomes are somewhat correlated and this gets you a plus number instead of a minus number. So that's my prop this week for them. I like it. Uh, all right. So let's move over to Chelsea third at 62 points versus West Ham seventh at 52 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Chelsea is minus 190. West Ham is plus 550. The draw is plus 330. Chelsea minus half a goal stays at minus 190. West Ham is plus 160. Woo! Okay, where to start here? Um, <laughs> people are probably sick of hearing me talk about Chelsea, so actually we'll try not to draw on too much. Uh, Chelsea seem to only really be able to go right now when they feel their backs are against the wall. And if they drop a few more points, they'll probably be excellent again. Um, they have no home field advantage at all right now. Like you even got their manager in press conferences blaming his own groundskeeper for some of the errors that he saw on the field, which is absolute insanity. Not something that I thought I would be hearing in headlines this week. Um, it's so bad for them at home. And I think this is right. I saw it floating around. I will admit I didn't verify it, but they only have three more points at home in the premier league this year than Everton does. And Chelsea's oh. third and Everton's facing relegation. That's how bad they've been at home. And it's not hard to see why. I mean, <laughs> they're not allowed to sell tickets. There's a general hostile feeling around the uh, the ownership and both the government trying to take it from them and the process that's being run into who they're going to sell to. People aren't excited about the groups that are going to buy them. I mean, it's not even the group's fault. Like Everybody's going to fail to service the fans the way Roman did, so anything's going to be a downgrade and people are nervous about it. And it's to the point where you have uh, – Aspilicueta going over to the stands after the game <laughs> to confront his own fans. Was... Like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> so seeing them being at home, which used to be, you know, Fortress uh, Stanford Bridge, is now a place that I'd rather see them on the road. And maybe the fans know this. Maybe they're make, trying to make them feel their backs are against the wall by cheering against them. It's a really interesting mental tactic that the fans could be playing 3D chess but instead, I think it's just a lot of angst from the world rolling its way onto the pitch and the players are feeling it. Uh, so I'm not saying I think Chelsea's going to get blown off the pitch again. Uh, I think it's more likely than not that they win this game. I think that Tuchel is still world class. And every single time people start talking about Chelsea being down, they come back and put on some world class performance that reminds everybody of their true form. But at minus 190? I don't think it's that high odds that they don't, you know, grind out a 1-1 draw or a 2-2 like crazy game like we saw against Arsenal. And so I'm actually taking West Ham at plus 160, not because I believe it's the more likely outcome, but just because the Chelsea minus 190 on current form at home with all the uncertainty going on, it's just not good enough odds to get my money. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like you kind of took it from the the Chelsea turmoil side and the randomness of their last few matches. Um, uh, but really like the, the only reason that I actually, and this might be the kiss of death for, for your boys, it would take Chelsea money line is West Ham just haven't been good um, lately. And a lot, a big part of it is the fact they had a small squad to start the year. And now they're making a super deep run they're in the semifinals of Europa. And that's the other part of this the equation too. I don't know how much it actually will matter for this match. Cause it's David Moyes. He's probably going to try to play to win. I don't know even know who he'd rotate in the midfield anyways. Like Mark Noble is not getting a start in this match regardless. Um, but like they, they do have to pretty much know. I, I'm sure David Moyes knows. If this, this club is going to make the Champions League, 
it's going to be all about beating Frankfurt in the semis and then getting to the Europa League final and, and fluking out a win there um, against a, probably a much better RB Leipzig side. So I don't know how they're going to approach this match. Is there going to be some squad rotation? Is it going to be weird shit like Manuel, Manuel Lanzini, like playing into double pivot? You know, is like Ben Johnson going to be playing left back and like Frederick's playing right back, uh, Ryan Frederick's playing right back. Like, it, I don't know um, because there, this is just uncharted territory for West Ham. Um, but I mean, the big thing, I'm looking at their minutes for West Ham right now. So we haven't even finished the year yet. And, and any player that gets over 3,000 minutes has played a lot in a, a Premier League season. So here is where their core contributors are at right now. Declan Rice has played 3,800 minutes. Uh, Thomas Swiecek has played 3,900 minutes. Oh Jared Bowen's played 3,500 minutes. Miguel uh, Antonio has played 3,500 minutes. Fornells has played 3,100, and Cresswell has played about 3,000. And, and they that is a lot of minutes, and they still have probably like 10 matches left. So... I just think they're worn down, which is why this latest stretch where they've been pretty much outcreated or like just blown off the pitch lately um, is kind of led to. It's just this team isn't deep. They're in uncharted territory playing this many matches late into the season, and they just don't have the squad depth to rotate cleanly and effectively. Uh, and this is what we talked about with Brentford. It's the opposite of what we talk about with Liverpool and City. Like, again, Declan Rice getting rotated out means Mark fucking Noble is playing in a double pivot. It's just not. Yeah, good. I mean, for, for the for the record, if Mark Noble is on there instead of Declan Rice, I I wipe <laughs> yes. my bet. Like, I, I, I'm not tra- not caveat. turning in good that caveat. ticket until I see Mark Noble is nowhere near the pitch. <laughs> Great caveat. It's, it's uh, I believe it's actually known as Noble's Law in the books. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I need I needed that one today. That's good. I'm glad you got that out there. I was hoping you're going to interject and point that one out. But yeah, so yeah. Long, long story short, I I, I got to take Chelsea just from the fact that I think even uh, with everything going on within both clubs, I think this is a fading West Ham team. I think there's a possibility for some squad rotation that means that West Ham is going to take a huge hit in their quality that's actually on the pitch, and then with that. They have been leaking goals in very un David Moyes like fashion. And your boy Kai Havertz has been playing really, really well and getting off tons of shots in these matches. And he's plus yep. 140 as an anytime goal scorer. So it's on my list. Yeah. I, it's this where I got to put my money. I, I think, that, you know, Tuchel's kind of when he's looking for his go to match now, it's Havertz, Werner, and Mount in that attacking yep. fan. Um, and Havertz and has working. been really good. Yeah. That is I, absolutely working. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, Timo's movement is excellent. He finally got a lucky bounce midweek against Arsenal, so a ball found the back of the net that maybe shouldn't have, which is a nice correction from all the balls that should have found the back of the net but didn't. Uh, But his movement is creating a lot of great space for Mountain Havers to make really intelligent runs. Uh, Mount, you know, is is super imperious right now. Uh, So I like that anytime goal scorer prop because Chelsea's problem right now is an offense. Um, at the moment, I mean, it yeah, could be at any given time, especially bad cocky plays. Yeah, and a lot of it comes down to, uh, I mean, Mulling Sar just like <laughs> he isn't a top six quality defender, and like, you know, like, whoa, pity on us that we have a couple of injuries and we have to roll him out there. But when you roll him out there, you kind of see the results. 
Uh, and when Christensen is already shopping for a flat in Barcelona and doesn't really give a damn about being at Chelsea anymore and is switching off and handing away goals, and Silva's you know the oldest outfield player in the history of Chelsea and can't play every single match, then we're going to have matches like we had at Arsenal. And like if Rudiger's not ready to come back, and um, and they're rolling out like Azpilicueta and Silva and Saar. I like West Ham to find a way to get a goal as long as Mark Noble's not playing in the double pivot. So the actual one I'm going to take, even though I like Kai Haverson plus 140, I like Mason Mount to score or an assist at plus 100. That's another one that caught my eye. Uh, but I'm going to Good, take yeah. a, a slightly safer bet. I'm just going to take both teams to score at minus 110. I definitely think Chelsea's getting on the, the scoreboard. Uh, I can absolutely see West Ham getting on the scoreboard. And then it just comes down to, is this game 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, 3-2? Who the hell knows? Um, But I feel great at getting, you know, basically coin flip odds at both teams getting the ball in the back of the net. Well, yeah, one thing about the Mount thing that's really interesting, uh, and this is my my DFS stuff coming through, is him and Alonzo have actually been splitting, like, free kicks and corners. Uh, Usually pretty much depends on the side of the pitch. Uh, but that's actually huge for a guy that's uh, you're taking an assist prop on, right? Because it's a bunch of set yeah. piece dead ball chances he has to ha- have somebody get on the end of one of his crosses. So it doesn't have to necessarily just come from open play. And uh, the free kick and corner kick taker thing, the since I've started doing DFS, that shit is all over the place. <laughs> Who is taking them from match to match? So if you can, if you can kind of figure out like the trend of who has been taking him lately. And there's a good chance that it might randomly change. Like Reese James could just randomly be taking corners next match. Um, or I mean, Ziyech will take yeah, him. Yeah, or, or Ziyech if he's in the, if he's in, but yeah, that is definitely something to consider with the assist prop and Mount has been back on doing them. So I actually really like that. You get pretty good odds for him to have a goal involvement when he is one of their set piece guys. Yep. All right. Uh, last match. And it is the big one uh, 10 years ago, but now it's just looking like 10 years ago. (laughs) That's actually important. Uh, Merseyside Derby, Liverpool, second at 76 points versus Everton, 17th at 29 points. Game is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Liverpool is minus 525. Everton is plus 1,400. The draw is plus 650. Liverpool minus one and a half goals is minus 165. Everton is plus 145. Uh, Rather than double down on my rant during the Manchester City game about how far ahead these two teams are from the rest of the league, uh, I don't see any need to repeat that. Just flat out, give me Liverpool. Give me them at minus one and a half and minus 165 all day long. Uh, No reason to believe this is going to be close. As as you pointed out, the title could come down to goal difference. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about Everton, the only reason, and with Burnley winning today, I think it's back to a horse race between who's going to get relegated between those two. The only reason that it's even a coin flip at this point is because they have gotten lucky getting wins against Newcastle and wins against United. They could very easily be looking way, way up from 18th place at 17th place Burnley. Um, And uh, this, honestly, this match (laughs) has the potential to be one of the, this is a technical term here, biggest dick kickings that we may see on a soccer (laughs) pitch (laughs) this year because Liverpool is just fucking ridiculous right now. Luis Diaz has come in, looks like he's just going to 
ease out Sadio Mane or push him to the to a full time number nine role. They have Firmino on the bench, Jota on the bench. You know, Salah is back and getting involved, scoring goals. Like Thiago is healthy and is showing why he has been one of the best midfielders in the world for almost a decade. I mean, this team is nuts. They are so good, and Everton is not good <laughs> um and so uh, i'm actually not take- good just as good just as good technically as dick kicking i believe <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh so i'm actually i actually am going to take the adjusted spread i think liverpool is going to absolutely blow them out of the water i think this th- this could be a, a match day weekend or match weekend where we see like liverpool and city just absolutely smash teams by like you know a combined double digit scoreline um, so I'm going to actually take the adjusted spread at minus two and a half for Liverpool. They're just too good. They, they could rotate. They could play their C team. And I would still feel comfortable taking minus two and a half with plus plus one fifty. And then for the other yeah. one, it's going to be the and, same and of all teams and all teams to run it up on. I mean, how the two teams they would most enjoy running the score up on right now that they actually probably could is Manchester United and Everton. Exactly. And they yeah. get to do it. And they get to do it in like a five day span. So I'm <laughs> expecting no quarter whatsoever in this game. Yeah. And, and, and again, like I pointed out, you don't even have to worry about squad rotation. Like they could play every backup attacker that they have or any attacker that didn't start in the last match. They're still going to throttle Everton. Like this is going to be. Uh, a bloodbath. Uh, but hold on. I don't, I don't know. You mean you might be discounting Lampard playing a super tight tactical 11 correctly parking the bus. <laughs> yeah, grinding right. this game out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the Lampard tactics train here it comes. Um, yeah. So anyways, just to get this over with, cause it is going to be another beatdown. Um, the over of three and a half goals for, um, Liverpool is plus 205. I'm going to take the same thing with City. I think they're going to smash them. I think this is well within the range of three-plus goals. So you're right there. Um, I mean, Everton have just been really bad. Like, they they have gotten lucky to be at the point they are not a favorite to be relegated right now. And now they're playing one of the two best teams in the world. Yeah, I mean – you and I see it very similarly. We're just looking for ways to adjust the odds uh, <laughs> exactly. more in our favor, far away from the minus goals? 525 <laughs> money line. Um, I'm, I'm taking a very basic one, a very basic bitch of me. Oh, a good team ooh. to do a good thing. Uh, Liverpool clean sheet win is minus 130. So the win is something that we're just writing off right now. Um, <laughs> Liverpool has eight clean sheets in the last 10 games. Can you name the only two league teams to score against them in the last 10 games? There's two. It's not just City. There's two. It's the City's one. City and Norwich, baby. Oh my God. Norwich oh, is the only right. other team to score that's against right, Liverpool. I picked that week. In the last I picked 10 games. Sheet that week. I forgot about that shit. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Isn't that wild? So, like look looking at the odds, if you think Liverpool is going to win, definitely don't take the minus five twenty-five. Like it's well worth 400 points of juice to think they're also going to get a clean sheet yeah. against an Everton team that just grinded out a Carlson miracle uh, midweek and otherwise had no attacking for whatsoever when they're shutting everybody down left and right. So just from a math perspective, I mean, you can go big with some of uh, some Brett's if you really think they're going to blow them out and pile it on. But please don't take the Liverpool money line take us something that gets you a little bit closer to even odds. And I like the clean sheet to effectively do that. I like it. Uh, 
All right, so moving into the end of the show, we got the five pint pickoff. Brett, you gained two pints on me last week Ooh. when you won seven out of your bets, and All I won five. About the so sports congratulations! Bra, baby. All about the sports um, bra. But I, hidden wisdom. I'm still up seven. <laughs> uh, I'm still up seven on the month, so you'll have to make up ground a little bit quicker in order to catch me before April's over. Uh, I'm going with some conservative stuff and daring you to take the bigger stuff in order to catch me. So I'm going with Arsenal over 1.5 goals plus 100. The Spurs minus 110 to win. The Spurs first half plus 150. Um, Chelsea and West Ham both to score minus 110. And this one you're going to be jealous of and you're absolutely going to love and you should actually call your bookie. Liverpool and Manchester City on a parlay, both to win by two or more. Ooh. You think they're going to win by three or four or what more. What is this basic is plus number? Shit. That's not a basic bitch bet. That That is a plus number. If you take them to win by two oh. or more, you can juice that up to plus 120. That, so that I'm laying that happily. That is a, that is, yeah, that's great. That is a really good bet. I'm actually extremely jealous of that bet. I didn't even think to look for that. Um, I'm actually, but I'm putting all my, I'm doing the, all my eggs in one basket in the, in the vein of a good team doing a good thing. I almost just literally put all five pints in this one thing, but I, I refrained because I wanted at least some diversity here. Um, I'm taking <laughs> Liverpool minus two and a half for Everton and plus one, one fifty uh, for one pint. I'm going to do Arsenal, the win and both the score versus Man United for one pint at plus two seventy five. I wanted to put all five. On City scoring over three and a half goals against Watford at plus 145, but I couldn't pull the trigger. It's still getting three pints. Three pints. So I will be a winner this weekend if that one comes through, even if the other two don't hit. So no parlays. I'm not as smart as you with parlaying that over line with City and Liverpool, but I am <laughs> I'm putting my faith in City smashing the fuck out of Watford. <laughs> Yeah, people who parlay are definitely the smartest gamblers. That's why they keep demolishing casinos. Uh, all, right. all right, guys. Uh, fun episode this week. Hopefully a fun weekend of football in front of us. And we hope that you enjoy it as much as we will. And we will see you next week for our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care. Enjoy the games, folks. Take care, y'all.